Einstein once said, time is a stubbornly persistent illusion. Hey guys, we are in the middle of a podcast series called Sojourning, and today we're going to talk about time. Today's episode is called Kairos versus Kronos. And remember, we're talking in the larger context concerning Sojourning about two different paradigms, right? Really, the garden versus the tower. So we're going to continue kind of playing off of those themes. What is it like to walk with God through the world, to live as God does, to kind of inhabit the space God inhabits, to have the kind of heart, character, perspective that God does, to live the way God lives, right? What does that look like? What does it look like to sojourn with God, to be walking through the world, and why are we sojourners, and why are we not at home in this world? That's all. That's everything. That's that's a lot of what we're trying to talk about. This is a Construction Monk podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Ori, and this is episode two of the series Sojourning. This episode is Kairos versus Kronos. So, Kairos versus Kronos. These are two Greek words that refer to time, but different ways of relating to time. And those words are also used in Scripture, especially the New Testament, which was written much of the time in Greek, a little bit Aramaic. So God's actually been teaching me a lot about time. One of the things that that I'm going to try to lay out in this episode on Kairos time versus Kronos time is just how differently God views time. And actually the reality that God and time or time for God doesn't exist. That's that's what I was trying to say. There is no time for God. That's funny, isn't it? (laughs) The way I said that. God isn't limited by time. God's outside of time. Like this is, you know, encapsulated in some of our ideas about God's omniscience, omnipotence, omnipresence. That God's not limited in any way, the ways in the ways we are, especially concerning time. But um, as I said, God's been kind of teaching me some new things about time. I've, I've experienced what some call deep time. I've experienced eternity in a measured way. But I've experienced quite a few seasons. Kairos seasons, where God is, t- like the main message from God has been slow down, right? This is really winter when we talk about seasons and we relate them to the seasons of the earth. Spring, summer, winter, fall. Fall is this, uh, fall and winter more are the seasons of slowing down. And like I've just had seasons where coming out of maybe spring, summer, I've had a lot of growth and like I've been super busy. God's been doing a lot of work and then comes a season of fall and winter where God's like slow down and it's taken me a while to get that message but I feel like every season I've gone through where God has talked to me about slowing down it's not just been a season it's been an, a reacclimation to a different way of living life living life more peacefully not so frenetic and frantic and fast-paced and busy and running out of time but God's like God's constantly called me into his way of existing in the world, which is eternity, right? We'll get to some scriptures. We'll get to Matthew and 
Ecclesiastes, but Ecclesiastes in that in one of the chapters says that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. Interesting. He's like we have the you know kind of what it's saying is we have the ability to understand how God lives outside of time. We're timeless, immortal beings as well. We're a hybrid. We have this part of ourselves that's dying. Part of ourselves isn't. Part of, part of us is spirit. Part of us is rooted in the eternal, yet we're not in tune with it. Um, recently, I, I was praying for God to do something. It was kind of interesting because these last six years of learning deeper spiritual discernment and listening to God and like it's been a time of really just learning that I don't need to ask God to do things I need to get in tune with what God's already doing and just align myself with that and like I think that's you know one of my definitions of prayer and praying in God's will is um, we don't we don't ask God to do things like like this is the way I put it God doesn't answer our prayers. He answers the prayers he prays through us. Scripture says when we pray in God's will, what that means is when we ask God to do what God wants to do, he will do it. And so these last six years, I've, I've really just been in the season of like, I'm not asking God to do anything. I'm asking God what he wants me to do. And I'm trying to align myself with what God's already doing. And, and like, that's a really beautiful thing because I already, like, I'm not perfect in my hearing of God by any means, but I'm hearing God. And like when God tells me he wants to do something, I don't need to ask him and I don't need to be concerned about whether it will happen, but I know it will. So recently, God, through a series of events, showed me that he wanted me to sell my motorcycle and buy this motorcycle from my friend. Like, I'll just, I'll give some of the details just because it's a fun little story, but I got my motorcycle last November, started riding the motorcycle for the first time. And I love this motorcycle. I have a Harley Davidson Sportster. It's a 2006. I got it with 7,000 miles on it, just really low miles, just great bike, great condition. Love it. I've loved it. Had no intention of selling it. So about a month ago, a riding buddy of mine out of the blue texted me. He's like, hey, you selling your bike? And I was like, no, no, I'm really not interested in selling my bike. He's like, well, my brother was looking for a bike he hasn't ridden in years, and he'd like a Harley Sportster because it's a really good bike to start out on. It's lightweight, it's streamlined, it's, it's not real heavy or wide. Anyway, like I, I know I, no, I had no <laughs> intention or desire to sell my bike. I love my Harley Sportster. Um, but then a couple of weeks later, that, like it just kind of stayed in my mind. They didn't ask me to sell it. And a couple weeks later, I just had this nudge from God that was like, hey, I want you to think more about that offer to sell your bike. He's like, I want you to, to consider that. And I was like, hmm. Okay, so a couple days later, I don't know why. I was just like, okay, you know what? I think I will sell my bike. I think I'm going to. So I contacted him, my friend. His brother actually didn't have the money together. But the next night, I woke up in the middle of the night and like, this just hit me, and it was from God. I remembered that one of my other friends uh, told me he was selling his bike, but he told me that like four months ago, and so I was like, "No way, he still has that bike." But like that bike came to my mind, so like I had this before me. God really put it into my mind to sell my bike and then buy my friend's bike. So text my friend; he happened to still have it because somebody had tried to buy it and it had fallen through. 
I went, I tested his bike. And I was like, man, I, I really know God wants me to sell my bike and buy this bike. Right? And then, but then something strange happened. Like God really prompted me. He's like, I want you to ask me to do it. And I want you to be specific. And I was like, God, you told me to do this. Why do I need to ask you when you're asking me? And God's like, just, just do it. I want you to ask me to, to do this. And I'm like, well, okay. And he's like, I want you to get specific. So I was like, you know what? I'll get specific. I'm going to like pray that it sells at a specific time as well. So I prayed. I would sell my bike. I would be able to buy my friend's bike. And I was like, God, make it happen this coming Saturday or Sunday. And it was uh, about a week away. Less than a week, maybe. And so I prayed. I was like, I was like, God, I don't know. I mean, this doesn't feel right to me. But you told me to pray and be specific. And so Saturday came. I, I had some, some interest early on. Died down. Nothing really came to fruition there. No people actually came like, requesting to see the bike. Saturday came, nothing. Sunday came, nothing. Didn't sell my bike. And so I was like, God, you told me to pray specifically. And I, I did. And I was, got very specific. I even gave you the day. The days. And so I was like, so, you know, I wasn't mad. I just came back to God. And I was like, well, what gives? You know, I did what you asked. And then I started to kind of wrestle. Like, well, you know, is God going to work this out? Did I really hear God right? And kind of having some doubts but I'm like no I, I, I'm pretty sure I got everything right and then um, so I was like oh, you know but God so God began to talk to me about how he does things and how he works and how he views time and how he operates within time and how he works all together and so like it happened right God told me he wanted this to happen it happened it didn't happen in the time that I thought in the time I asked for and so like through this experience you know, it was really cool. God, it, this is just a better bike for me now at this stage. I've been riding for a while. And it actually, I sold my bike for more than I paid for it. And I was able to buy this new bike and have extra money. With that money, there's other things God wants me to do. Like part of God's reasoning was like, hey, this is a better bike. I'm giving you something better. Cool. But part of it was like, I also need you to, you're going to make some extra money because I need you to buy some sound equipment because I have like, you know, there's things I've been wanting to start recording some interviews on my YouTube channel. So anyway, like this is God also prompting me to, to, to do that and actually providing the, the money I need to get some equipment. But, so that's cool. But the biggest thing was God was talking to me about time. And so, a <laughs> long story, sorry. But like what God began to teach me out of that experience was, look, he's like, there's three, there's three factors when it comes to me working things out. When, how, and what. Like what I want to do how I want to do it and when I want to do it. He's like, the first two, the what and the how. Like, I, I'll often show you what, but you often won't know how. And guess what? The wind doesn't even matter. Like, I don't even know the wind. Like, I was, like, this is what God was teaching me. He's like, why? Why would that be? Why is when not important to God? Not that it's unimportant, but why is when, the, the, let's, let's just say, why is when we're like the least important and why is when the thing that God kind of focuses on the least well think about the world think about God God's sovereign plan and God's in control right but God's working his plan but what is the thing least in his hands human will human um, submission you could say or or humanity's desire to actually do what God wants like I think you know concerning nature God's fairly in control of nature God you know, Jesus calmed storms. Guess what? Jesus never forced people to get saved, right? The rich young ruler walked away sad. Jesus didn't run after him and try and compel him 
right? Like, the thing God controls least, and cho- uh, well, I could say chooses to con- not control at all, is our will, right? So when it comes to God working things out, especially in my motorcycle story, <coughs> right? <coughs> there had to be someone to buy my motorcycle. Well, <coughs> was God going to force someone against their will? Or was God working it out and moving things, and it took the time it took, and God really, you know, was like, okay, I can't really give you a time. I had the what. I didn't have the how or the when, and the how was God God was going to work and move, but the when was, well, that's tricky. And guess what? God has all the time in the world. God lives outside of time. God's not concerned about time. Obviously, we have, in our view, we have limited time, Right? I wasn't going to wait six months to, to sell my motorcycle because my friend's motorcycle was still for sale online and probably would have been gone. And that was my concern too. was like, ah. But God worked it out. The when, though, was... The when was kind of up in the air. <coughs> Not that God didn't know the when necessarily, but that God wasn't or wasn't choosing to control the wind because he relies on people with with their own will about things, right? <clears throat> Part of learning to sojourn with God is learning to live in time as he does. But he doesn't live in time. We're walking with God, right? Which means we're surrendering things to God. Which means... It's in God's hands to work out. Jesus, you know, it's really interesting. Jesus is talking about kind of some end-time stuff with the disciples in Matthew chapter 24. Um, and he listened to this. So he's talking about the sign of the Son of Man. He's talking about his second coming, seems to be, in verse uh, Matthew 24, verse 30. And so he's talking about this to the disciples. And... He says this about, in conjunction with his coming, he says in verse 32, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. That's interesting, right? He doesn't say, consider the sign of a sundial, right? He's like, look at the tree. Like, he points to nature. He points to something that is dependent upon seasons. Like, it's not Kronos time he's pointing to here. It's Kairos time. He's saying things have seasons. And you will know this is coming about when when the signs of this season start to appear. It's kind of a slow thing, right? Season coming. It's like... If you're looking for a lightning bolt, clock striking midnight kind of sign, that's not what Jesus points to here concerning his second coming. When he's talking to the disciples, he's like, it's more organic, it's more cro- it's more kairos, it's a more of a kairos kind of thing he's talking about. As soon as its twists get tender, its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. That's a different way of understanding how God works things out. It's a little more measured and slow and patient. And it's not like it's going to happen exactly at the, the stroke of midnight and it's going to be 
like so definitive. He's like, there's this general sense that you will have when the time's approaching. Interesting, okay. Um, and then verse 36, he makes a statement. About that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And then he says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to that day, Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Okay, so he's again, he's talking about his second coming. He's talking, and he makes this reference to Noah. And he's like, look, what is he saying? He's like, people didn't understand how God views time and how God times things. And the, everybody, up until the day Noah entered the flood, they were <clears throat> living their lives. They were, you know, they were oblivious to what was going on. Why? Their concept of time. Their totalitarian concept of time. Their tower sense of time different than God's garden sense of time right and he says you know Jesus says I don't know it angels don't know it only the father knows the day or the hour he's saying God knows specifically when it's going to happen but also maybe God hasn't even worked that out yet right Jesus said I and the father are one there's a sense that there's nothing between them that's unknown and so like for me this seems to point to the idea that maybe the father hadn't really worked it out because there's a lot of factors thousands and thousands of and thousands of factors in God working out this day and this hour right and we even have in scripture talking about the coming Jesus says pray that it doesn't happen in winter and you know uh, pray that it might be quickened and so there's this idea that how God's working it out isn't so exact. It's not Kronos, it's Kairos. There will be seasons, there will be a time when you know it's coming, and it's because everything's coming into line, into an alignment. Like, it's not God saying, I want it to happen next Saturday at 12. It's God saying, in order for that to happen, these other things need to fall into place. And so God's not so concerned about when it happens, but what and how. The when is kind of a little more flexible. That's how God is with time. Just like my motorcycle, I thought, I'll ask God to do it on a specific day. I gave him two days. I gave him the weekend. Didn't happen. Took him a full week. Right? Why? Because God had to work things out. Like, it wasn't just... Which is really cool, because I got specific about the motorcycle, too. And I was like, God, like, just... I pray, like, someone will... Bring me someone that just, like, this is the motorcycle they want. And, like, they really, really want this. And, like, this is just... Like, they're just obsessed about it, right? And they know this is the one. And when I sold it, that's what I told the guy. I was like... he Like, when he started texting me, he, the first thing he said was, this is the bike I really, really want. First thing he told me, that's not good, a good bargaining chip when you're, like, you want really want something, but you want to haggle, right? He haggled. Actually, he didn't haggle. Um, he paid me what I wanted, but I can't, I did come down on the price for him. Just different story, but I, I just felt I should. So, but that's what he said. He's like, this is my bike. I really want this bike. You know, that, that was an answer to prayer. Like, but God had to work certain things out in order for it to happen. It wasn't as important about concerning when it would happen, but how. 
And what? God gave me the what first. The how came second. And the when kind of just naturally fell into place. Well, I think that's what Jesus is pointing to in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. And also referencing Noah. Like, nobody really had the ability to understand how God moves and how God works. What? Because they're looking at the clock. And it's, it's hours, days, weeks, months, years. It's these squares, these blocks. It's, so, it's very controlled. And God's like, well, it may happen today, it may happen in a week. Mm, God lives in a, in a different sense of time because he lives outside of time. All right. Let me jump over to Kronos and Kairos. Um, so kairos in the Greek it's really an ancient Greek word it means the right critical or opportune moment it also often referred in modern in modern Greek it refers to weather like things happening that just like and you think about weather right there has to be has to be certain conditions that just align for it to rain right or storm lightning you know it's just like it's again Kairos time is certain conditions have to come together. It's not it'll rain it'll rain right then. It's it'll rain if this happens and that happens and these five things kind of align. There has to be enough humidity in the air. The clouds have to like to in order for the clouds to drop and get so full and drop the rain, right? So again, Kairos time is like the right or opportune moment. When things are ready to happen, not because we wanted it to happen last Tuesday, but because everything that had to fall in line for it to happen has. And of course, chronos is, it just means chronological or sequential time. After, you know, it's like, it's like a clock. This happened, then this happened, then this happened. You know, it's interesting because, you know, I've studied history and you, like, we, we like to put labels on periods of time. If you look at the, um, at Western culture, there's three phases of Western culture, um, classical, pre-modern, and modern, or classical, the Middle Ages, and modern. But like, and you know, they kind of have dates, but it's not like there was the switch that got clicked and we went from classical to pre-modern and then someone was like, okay, hey, it's time for modern to happen. All right, everybody set your clocks. <laughs> it's funny, we can, we can try to approach even history through Kronos time. Like, oh, in this, you know, the beginning of, of the moder- modern industrial area, we can mark it by certain factors. But it's more like Kairos time. It's more like a lot of things came together to push humanity out of this era of monarchies and feudalism into more democracies and free markets, Right. That's Kairos time versus Kronos time. Um, this is really interesting. The sky, um, it says in Onian's 1951 etymology studies of the word, he traces the primary root back to the ancient Greek association with both archery and weaving. Isn't that interesting? In archery, Kairos denotes the moment in which an arrow may be fired with sufficient force to penetrate a target. So you're pulling the string back. And you keep pulling, and you got to pull it back far enough to have the right kind of force to to achieve the right kind of trajectory and the arc in order to hit the bullseye, right? 
got to have the right kind of force. And weaving denotes the moment which the shuttle could pa be passed through the threads on the loom. Because the, I don't know if you've ever seen a loom, but there's two, there's an upper and a lower section, and the and the loom passes between when they move up and down, and it creates the the wolf, the wolf and the warp and the wolf. Sorry, is the one of the terms the weaving the cross over sections that create a, a weaving. So it's like there's a right time when that shuttle has to pass through, right? It's the opportune time, right? A lot of things have to come together for it to work. Let's go to Ecclesiastes. Does that make sense? We're talking about sojourning. We're talking about being transferred from tower to garden and tower time to garden time. Tower time is Kronos time. Garden time is Kairos time. It's funny, um, my son is autistic and we have, a, we have a nurse for him. One of the nurses we had a long time ago, when she first started coming to the house, she talked about um, WP time and she talked about white people time and black people time. WP time and BP time. And she's like, white people, this is how they are. They're very, you know, automated. And she's like, black people are just like, ah, whatever. <laughs> it was really kind of funny. I'd never heard that, you know, distinction made. But she was like, yeah, white people and black people kind of view time differently. Black people are like a little more chill. And I was like, you know, I was thinking about that in terms of this podcast. And I was like, you know, there's tower time and there's garden time. So that's, we're going to, you know, we started the first podcast with garden versus tower and these metaphors concerning God and God's system and Satan's. And now this episode is going to be, we're adding the word time. There's garden time and there's tower time, which garden time is kairos time. Tower time is chronos time. Tower time is exact and it's exacting and it's mechanized and it doesn't, it, you know, time waits for no man, Right. It's not going to slow down. It's not going to give you a break if you need it. You know, it's, it's crushing. It's killing. Why? Because the tower system, is that's what it's designed to do. It's designed to mechanize people into a system, right? We become our own gods. That's, that's the tower mentality. That's tower time. Well, garden time is what? I mean, think about a garden. Think about life in a garden. It's like there's seasons, right? You plant, you cultivate, you harvest, you rest. It's such a much more slow pace. What? What can you do in a garden? You plant, you water, but what? You can't make things grow. You have to wait. It's a lot more of a calm pace. So in this episode, we're picking up this idea of garden time and tower time. Let's uh, jump over to Ecclesiastes. We're starting, this is chapter 3, starting with verse 1. There is a time for everything. Stop. Think about that. There's a time for everything. There is time for everything. And, and then the second part of the verse. And a season for every activity under the heavens. A couple of interesting things about this first verse. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Take a breath with me. And say, there is time. There is time. And then think about our world and what it says. There's not enough time. There's not enough time. Not enough time. Frantic, frenetic, crazy, driving, 
It's just what? The, the message of tower time, chronos time, is there's not enough time. There's never enough time. You're running out of time. You better get to work. You're going to be late. <clears throat> never enough time. Tower time is there's never enough time for anything. Kairos time is there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Think about that. It doesn't say on the earth. It says under the heavens. What? Okay, so Jews, you know, we might think heavens, we might think the sky, the stars. But in the Jewish mind, under the heavens meant in view of spiritual reality. Under the heavens means we're on earth, and we, but we live under this reality of the gods. We live under the reality that the gods are in control and the gods are moving things and there's seasons and there's circumstances that must align and all we need to do is just be patient, wait. God will work it out. There's a time for everything. There is time. There is a season for every activity under the heavens. Like God has everything planned. It's okay. Take a breath. It's going to work out. <laughs> this is Cairo's time. This is garden time. Garden time is, you may plant that seed. You may water. Right? Even scripture even says, one man plants another waters, but God gives the increase. He's ta- they're talking about ministry, but still it's talking about this concept of time that God lives in. There's time for everything. It's okay. There's a season for everything. It's okay. You don't make it happen. You're not like if you work harder and faster and longer and more hours and you'll get it done and you'll get it done faster and then what? You can make it happen. You're in control. You're your own God. That's tower time. Garden time is, I'm not in control. God is. There's a season for everything. There's a time for everything. God will work it out. I'm not in control of it. What? God may show me the what. I don't know the how or the when. God's working it out. So, what's, what's there to worry about? God shows you things. God's given you promises. God's given you visions. God's given you a passion. God's given you a calling. Are you going to sit there and worry, why isn't it happening now? And God, you showed me this and it hasn't happened. And what's going on? And God's like, garden time, garden time, time for everything. Slow down, breathe. You're in tower time right now. I'm in garden time. You're in tower, tower time is, time's running out. You only have so much. Garden time is, you're eternal. And I've planned it all out and relax and it'll work out. It's going to be okay. Like, do you understand how sojourning with God, how it's so different, especially concerning our concept of time. God's like, time's not running out. Doesn't even exist. At the end, I'll even get rid of time. It says in Revelation, time will be no more. And we know in Genesis, God created time, right? Sun and moon, stars, day and night, time created. In the end, like eternity isn't time unending, it's time ending, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there will be no more time. Isn't that cool? Like, but here's the thing. When we're sojourning with God, we start to lean into garden time. And we start to live out. And what when Kronos time and the tower mentality is pushing in and saying, you better and you, you better hurry. And then we go, nope, garden time. Hey, tower time. That's not, no, I don't live in that paradigm. I'm in garden time. God will work it out. I'm late for work. God will work it out. I lose my job. God will work it out. It didn't happen as soon as I thought. Well, it's not, I shouldn't have thought. It's not my timing. God's timing. Garden time. Not tower time. (laughs) I love it. Let me continue in Ecclesiastes. So he said, there's a time for everything. A season for every activity under the heavens. 
a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Like, this is kind of poetry. I don't know if you know that. Ecclesiastes is, is, I believe it's one of the books of poetry. So, like, every single statement about time, he's saying, he's juxtaposing something good and something bad. So that's interesting. He's like, hey, you're going to have good times and bad times. Your, your life experience will take you through dark valleys and transfiguration mountaintop experiences as well. Like, but guess what? This is a time for everything. Like, you're going to go through good and bad seasons. You're going to go through spring and summer. It's going to feel good. Fall, winter may not feel so good. L- things coming to life, things dying. There's these seasons. It's okay. There's seasons you'll like. There's seasons you won't. Guess what? It's a season and it will pass. This is what he's really saying. This is a time for everything. Like, you're going to go through seasons. Don't freak out. Don't get stuck in a season. Don't think this is the end. Don't think death is the end. There's a time to be born and a time to die. It's okay. Like, God has ordered all these things. God is in control. You will be born. You will die. But it's okay because God's in control and you really won't die anyway. And you'll plant and you'll uproot. But it's okay because you'll plant again. And a time to kill and time to heal. It's okay if you're wounded in the season because there's going to be a time of healing that comes after. It's okay. Time to tear down. Time to build. It's okay if the things you built your life around are being torn down in a season because another season of building will come. It's okay. Breathe. Garden time. Time to plant, a time to uproot. That's what he says in verse 2. Time to weep, a time to laugh. Like, it's not going to all be laughter. It's not going to all be dancing. It's not going to all be embracing. It's going to be weeping, mourning. It's going to be scattering stones. It's going to be a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, a time to give up. Like, God orders our times. It's not what we want, and we and it must be good all the time. It must feel good all the time. It must meet our expectations all the time and we must be in control that's that's tower time tower time is it must always be a certain way whatever that way is we decide it's like we're going to control and we're going to eliminate the bad seasons we're not going to have famine and drought and we're going to control everything and we're going to mass produce and we're going to have you know unsustainable growth oh i said i would look that up and i haven't that um oh shoot (laughs) i just stepped on it Shoot. I just stepped on a centipede. I didn't see him. I guess it was his time to die. <laughs> I feel bad. I didn't mean to stop. Anyway, um, I'll look that up. There's this, like, that's tower time. It's a system that takes more than it gives. Remember I talked about that? And, but its paradigm is we should never experience the downside. We should never experience fall and winter. We should never experience dying. We should create the world in a way where it's always like we can build the tower, tower in a city. We can create this paradigm of life where we're in control and nobody gets sick and there's never famine, there's never food shortages, there's never bad seasons. But that's actually an unsustainable paradigm. So really what happens in that, in that paradigm is you're going to stave off those seasons those bad seasons, right? 
But what's going to happen is you're, you're putting it off and putting it off, but it's going to come, and the longer you delay it, the worse it will be, right? This is just like, think about markets, and like the higher up it climbs, the farther, like it's just action-reaction, right? There's, there, this is not the way God designed the world. So when we try to be our own gods, and we have got the tower in the middle of the city, and we control everything, and we're not going to let bad things happen, well, that's not how God set up the world, and that's not going to be, it's not going to work, but we're putting in our, ourselves in a situation where it's going to be even worse when we enter that, that, that fall and winter, because it's going to come, because we can't outsmart God. We can't control things enough, right? God set the world up for seasons. We may think it's bad to go through fall and winter, but it's a season of rest. It's a season of refrain. It's a season of tearing things down to build new things and like, so think about the mechanization of men and like this tower time and tower mentality and it's like, but think about the fact that it tries to eliminate uncertainty, but it also eliminates adventure and excitement and new. It's like, get in the rut, stay in the rut, you're safe. It may be boring. It may be so boring it kills you, but it's safe. And isn't it better to be safe and bored than you don't know what's going to happen in this coming season, right? That's tower time. And God's like, no, because what? I'm over all the seasons. There's a time for everything. Don't worry about it. But you got to let go. Stop trying to build the tower in the middle of the city and control everything. I set up the world to work this way. Kairos time, not Kronos time. Garden time, not tower time. Stop. Tower time is not going to work. It's going to be even worse. It's not how the world really works. You're not going to defeat the way or supplant the way I created the world to work. There's a time for everything. And like, you may not understand it, why you have to go through those difficult seasons, but God doesn't, like out of it comes new growth and like things get torn down, but new things get rebuilt and it's actually really exciting. It's like, God, what are we doing this season? And it's like, you know, this season's coming to a close. It's just not like, when something is meant to be done and, and you try to keep it alive, it's like, that's not good, right? It's done. Like you're, there's a season and it's over and it's good to move on. That's garden time. There's seasons. Accept it. Tower time is no. I should never go through a time where I'm not getting more and more and more and more and bigger and bigger and better and better and brighter and brighter. And this is humanity's idea. And God's like, well, look, fall and winter have a purpose. Rest. Like the reason that one of the reasons the tower time kills us and is so bad is because it's a machine and we got to keep the machine going. And now we're so entrenched in this machine and this mechanized way of living life. And if the machine fails, we, we die. So it's like it becomes this monster. If you remember in the TV series Lost, they find this guy in this chamber and every hour he has to hit a button or something bad happens and he doesn't even know what. Or whatever, 12 or 12 hours, maybe. But like that's tower time. It's like, well, we built this system and it's safe and... We think we've built it and we're never going to have to experience bad things, but it's like, but it demands more and more and more of us and finally, eventually it collapses. Crazy. Anyway. Uh, I do need to wrap it up. I was just checking my time. Let's finish up with Ecclesiastes 3. What do workers gain from their toil? This is verse 9, verse 10. I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, 
that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. So, he's like, what do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. Okay, so, that's weird. I thought God was just supposed to bless us all the time. Well, he says, I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Like, there's a plan. But there's, there's some things in between that don't, won't be so comfortable. Like a, maybe a cross. Like maybe a dark night of the soul. Maybe some suffering. There's a burden God laid on us. Right? Meaning, it's not going to always feel good. There's going to be some time of laboring. There's going to be some difficult seasons. There's going to be seasons of letting things go that you may not want to. Because you don't know that there's something even better on the other side. There's just, right? It's weird because he says, there's this burden God set on the human race, but he's made everything beautiful in its time. Like, okay, so look, again, garden time. Going to be seasons. Seasons of gaining and losing. Seasons of growth and death. But we know in the end, everything is being pulled into this beauty. And it's time everything is made beautiful. And he's also said eternity in the human heart. But no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Like, all this, man. Like, he directly links this idea of living life in garden time to eternity being set in our hearts. He's saying, look, you don't understand the way God works and how God views time. And how God doesn't live in the time the way we live in time. Kairos time versus Kronos time. Garden time versus tower time. It's how we view time is so intrinsic to how we experience life and whether we experience life as a calm and patient and peaceful shalom kind of existence or whether it's frenetic and frantic and it's killing us and we're so stressed out and mental health is on the rise and people are so upset and angry and road rage and people shooting schools and shooting people and tower time. Not, it's Kronos time, not Kairos time, right? It's so important that we understand how God views time as we Strive to sojourn with God. So important to understand time. If we're going to walk with God, we have to walk with God in time. As God walks in time, and God really walks as if time is really the least important factor. And so should we. Hey, <laughs> I think I did okay. I've been trying to keep these a little shorter. Take my time and try to cram less in. I think I've definitely crammed less in this conversation about Kairos versus Kronos or Garden versus Tower Time. But um, remember we're talking about sojourning and we've talked about first the Garden versus the Tower and today we talked about Kairos versus Kronos. And next week... Well, you'll have to just tune in to find out what next week is going to be about. Hey, guys, this is a Construction Monk podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Ori. As always, you can catch more content at www.moderncontemplative.com or Google Jay Randall Ori. Hey, thanks for paying attention, for joining me, listening in, and I hope it has been encouraging and life-giving to you. All right. Love you guys. Bye.